Well, welcome to American Political Paradise podcast, Reggie Johnson. Thank you. Thank you. Very glad to be here and discuss some politics. Man, I don't get a chance to discuss it enough, so I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, it's a good chance to do it, you know? So how would you describe the current state of U.S. politics? Um, but polarizing. Man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, polarizing. It's it's. I, you can argue that it's been polarizing for quite some time, right? Like when you mm-hmm. just go back through history of politics, you can argue that it's been that way for the last 20, 30 years, or even since its inception of, of politics in America. But it's kind of like the since Trump announced it came down that elevator in 2015, like it's that thing's gone to another level, Yeah, a level of polarization here. And being a political junkie myself, um, I'd like to see it, you know, from just an outside looking in from a gamesmanship. I like Trump going on there and insulting the reporters. It's entertaining to watch, you know? Yeah, it certainly is. You know? (laughs) So I, I, I think that it's more polarizing now than it used to be, but, um, it's more entertaining for a person like me, unfortunately. <laughs> it's also very, very much uh, more entertaining when Trump's in the race. So, in regards to the 2024 U.S. presidential election, what are your opinions or what do you think about next year's presidential election? I think, no, it, it's, it's hard to say at this point in the game, you know, mm-hmm. because we're at what, 2023, almost at the midpoint of 2023. About roughly a year and a half ish off of that. So, if we were to go and look at um, presidential elections in the past, at this point, about a year and a half off or from when the election was actually occurring, the outcomes would have been a lot different from what they actually ended up being because of the people that were ahead at those times. You know, when yeah. in 2012, Hillary was running way ahead of Barack at this point in the game. Huh. You know, same yeah. thing with uh, Jeb Bush running way ahead of Donald Trump at this point in the game. So it's hard to say where we will be. Um, I'm really just waiting for DeSantis to jump in so we can really kick this thing off to another level. <laughs> Me too, also. <laughs> I think he's going to be a, a different candidate than Trump, and he's going to be like the, uh, the one person that could challenge Trump to the most extreme degree and challenge Trump. Do you think he gets over? Do you think he's able to to, to get over the Trump hump, so to speak? That's what I'm. That's what I'm unsure about. Like, because DeSantis has to has to convince voters that he's beyond, that he's not just a Florida governor. That he's more than that, and he's actually a, a real candidate. Like more than just all what he talks about with like his speech or Disney and everything. Yes, yes, it has to be more. It has to be more than Disney. I'll tell you that. Like he's gonna have to bring something. And you know, another thing to know about the DeSantis situation is he is kind of. Trump light, right? He he is sure. not exactly Trump. Trump is Trump, and he's like a lighter version of Trump. I don't know if he'll be able to get the Trump voters being a lighter version of Trump when Trump is actually in the race. Yeah, that's what I'm unsure about. Because with all criminal charges that Trump could face, like one in Georgia that is looming, uh, because I just saw news about the Georgia Fulton County prosecutor says that Trump. Char- like she's indicating that charges are coming for Trump, like and like I think August. So that it's kind of interesting to think sure. about, like all the charges that Trump could face, and yet he's still willing to go into race, and yet like we have other candidates that are that are, that 
could look as better GOP candidates? I think so. And I think a, a, one thing to that, Noah, is that if he – I think Trump feels like he has to run now because of those looming charges. Mm-hmm. Because he can always say, these are my political opponents trying to throw me, throw me in jail because they don't want me to run. It's always a line he can use, and he can't use that line if he doesn't run. Yeah. So he has to be able to run so that he can use that, that rhetoric and hope that he can push things off far enough that he can get across the line – and get elected president before any of these things actually go to trial. Because I mean, the one the one case that we thought was going to like that everybody's thinking is going to get him the New York uh, hush money scheme and New York mm-hmm. uh, Man- Manhattan by Manhattan DA and Grand Jury that one start until like right before the GOP presidential primary. So it's kind of yes. weird timing. <laughs> Yeah, I don't see that. Um, I really don't. I think that it was underwhelming in a sense that when they came out with the news, people were waiting for a bombshell. No, and and I don't know if the bombshell ever, ever came. You know mm-hmm. that people were waiting for. And like you said, um, I don't even think he goes to court again until December, which is ridiculous. Like you, that's so far off. And in, in political the world, it's an eternity away. You're gonna have a lot happen between now and then. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just how I see it. Like, I mean, DeSantis, I'm sad for him because I think he's a, the only possible, he's one of the few GOP alternatives to Trump that could really get the G, uh, could steer it away from Trump. But it's hard to say because true. DeSantis is like, he has to prove to American voters that he's been around, like, he's been, like, you know, doing his own version of his own campaign, like, lately, like, for a while. So it's kind of funny that he's... Uh, He's just now jumping in. I'm glad he's doing it because, you know, at one point I was thinking, let's just get it over with, man. Like, like we know you're going to get in. You're, he's like tiptoeing towards the, you know, he's tiptoeing. Yeah. You're, you're barnstorming Iowa. Nikki Haley's making fun of you for not jumping in. Like you, you're, you're wanting to run, but it's kind of like you're not really wanting to run. You kind of keeping one foot in Florida, but you kind of want to jump on the national stage. It's interesting. He's doing international trips. He's doing all the stuff that candidates do without announcing it as a candidate. I mean, I haven't read his book yet, but his book was a big, is something that usually candidates or personal candidates put out before they run. Like Trump has had some books, you know, many books out that he published, but like, I don't, I didn't read the last one that was like a blueprint for his agenda. I think it was make, make a great again. or something from the book. <laughs> I know. You know, Trump also has no going for him, and he had this going in 2016, and he'll have it going now. Trump is was a celebrity before; he's already celebrity. So I feel like the draw for a celebrity politician it's almost not fair because once you become, it was like Barack Obama being the first black president. It's almost not fair because that's going to be a draw in of itself, like having him show up to any given place is going to have it be a it'll be a draw just because of the historical nature of it yeah same thing with trump trump's already famous he's going to have draw people out because he's donald trump he was donald trump before he ever became president so i think that his fame is naturally going to draw people out and that's kind of an uphill battle for people that are just politicians you know i mean i struggle with like ever since like the the last december january 6th attack and at capitol and like all what Trump did after losing the election, last the last presidential election, 
I struggle to even, like, say that I support him still, because it's like, how do you support a candidate that just, you know, doesn't doesn't necessarily say, I lost, or he still thinks that he he won the last election? It's hard to say that. Like, maybe that's why I look up to, like, someone like Favik Ramaswamy or, like, or even Ron DeSantis a lot. I can see that, because, you know, if we're not playing around with the politics of this, the reality is, Noah, he like literally tried to like overthrow the government to a certain yeah. point. Like that's literally what happened. And um the politics I think of it make it soften the blow because people can characterize things a certain way. But the the reality is is this is what actually happened. We all watched it on television. We literally watched it happen. So it's it's funny with him saying that. And I don't know even if he believes it. I think that if you really believed you won, I would be more, I would be more, I guess, critical of it. And maybe he does. No, I don't know. I remember looking at when Tucker Carlson got kicked out of Fox and then some of his text messages leaked. Yeah. I actually had more respect for him because he didn't believe it. Like he, but I actually had more respect for Tucker. Cause I'm like, at least this guy is just selling the Kool-Aid. He's not drinking. <laughs> like he, He's actually saying behind the scenes what he really believes, and I'm seeing this leaked, and I'm, th- I'm having more respect looking at his leaked text messages that I had for the stuff that he was saying on television. I didn't know what side of him to believe, you know? It was kind of like, I, I saw him on TV a lot, watched him on TV a lot, but I was like, when all the revelations came out, I was like, I don't know. I don't know about him. <laughs> but I can see your point for you too, you know? I can see that. <laughs> So, relating to suppose you speak of house and the U.S. government debt is at standing at thirty-one, I think thirty-two trillion dollars. How would you fix this government problem without cutting like government programs? And would you raise the debt limit? You think? Yeah, the debt limit has to be raised. Like it's going to be every year. So here's one of the things. Um, I'm an older guy. Here's one of the great things about being older, though, is that you've lived through these things. This debt limit is a situation every time. Every president has had to deal with this. Every president does. And it's unfortunate because when you're raising a debt limit, you're only paying the bills that your predecessor put in place. No yeah. matter who the president is. Your predecessor put those bills in place. So you're, all the debt limit is, debt limit is, is paying the bills you've already incurred. Like, you know, so it becomes a political football. No matter who is in office, it's a political football. Like, so... I think it's going to get raised because we always take this to the 12th hour. We all like it happens every single time. You know, you'll get some grandstanding from each side about wanting to get some concessions. The side, the party that's not in power typically wants to try to get some concessions, something they can take back to their constituents and say, Hey, this is what I got for us type thing, you know, and they use the debt ceiling mm-hmm. kind of lingering as a problem. But the fact of the matter is not raising the debt ceiling would be catastrophic for for the U.S. economy, and it and it would be a self-inflicted error. Like we would have caused this error if it was to ever occur. And I think that cooler heads will prevail once it gets closer to the time, which I think that Je- uh, Yellen said was around June first. Yeah, I believe so too. Um, I think they're going to take it up to at least another week. What is it today? At the time of the recording is on the twenty-first. I think they'll take it at least up. They're going to take it up till the last minute they possibly can. Yeah, before they get something done. Um, and then when it comes to dealing with the, the debt, that's also a problem that I don't envy certain 
organizations and administrations have to deal with because you're dealing with debt that your previous administrations have incurred. And now you're trying to find a way to deal with it, you know, and, and that's difficult because you're like, I didn't even cause these bills. And now we're trying to find a way to cut capital expenditures in my administration when I haven't even dealt with, I'm just dealing with the bills that have previous administrations have racked up. It's not easy to do. Um, I think Clinton balanced a budget back in 2000 or so. I thought, oh, okay. Wait, Clinton, you mean, back in nine, 1990s? Oh, he was. Yeah, in the 90s, like in the 90s, coming into 99, that 99, 2000, because he was out okay. in 2000. So he would, that was the last time that we had a balanced budget. But that was also coincide. When you look at some of these things, they also coincide with other things that are happening in history. So when you look at that around that time, that was also the time of the dot-com boom. That's the time when the internet boom. We had a lot of companies mm-hmm. doing very well at that time. So you need certain things to happen from an economic standpoint uh, to have certain money coming in so that you can deal with certain debt. And then, of course, you got to make your cuts or whatever. But it helps if you can come in during certain booms, technological booms. You know, that's going to help you. If, if the AI boom turns out to really be what it is, that's going to help whoever's in office, you know, when that starts to come to fruition. See, I kind of agree with Republicans to a certain degree that, like, we should at least be careful how, how much we spend, like, within the government because, like, all the, co- like, I think it's because of all the COVID spending that we had, even mm-hmm. from Trump administration, the Biden administration, and then like all the inflation, the the bill that Congress passed that are like the Inflation Reduction Act, maybe that yeah. could have cost more money to like the the debt limit or the debt ceiling or debt how much debt we've occurred. But that's what just what Republicans are saying. I think I can agree with them a little bit, and the way we can be careful how much we spend per like in the in the uh, federal government like years or. I think it's better physical years. I don't think that's that's not crazy talk there. It's not. Um, I, what I find is it's just not as easily done as said. Like uh-huh. if you were to say we had these massive bills that add trillions of dollars to our to our debt. How are we going to pay for them? That's great. But then you say, OK, well, you people that are getting Social Security now, let's, let's shave a little bit off those checks. Those people are going to riot. They don't want it. You say, hey, well, there's other capital expenditures we may have that maybe we can make cuts. Maybe your public broadcasting, do we really need it? People don't want to do away with it. Like, you know, so it becomes harder to do because not only do you have to have something that's workable, but then you also have to have something that you can get past what? Four or 500 people in a house, 100 people in the Senate. Like, you have so many hurdles that you got to clear to get anything done in general that it becomes just rhetoric like it's easy I, I don't know if anybody argues with people saying that you should pay your bills you shouldn't spend more money than you make you mm-hmm. know I, I, don't, I don't think that that sentiment is crazy because it's not no it's not crazy but at all how you do it is very difficult in washington <laughs> <laughs> so according to Verda's article i don't know i think this article was updated may 10th so it's updated monthly but by an approval ratings but 54% of Americans disapprove of President Biden. Is this rating bad for, for President Biden? And how should Biden approve Americans' views or disapproval of him as president? What do you suppose? <laughs> the way he does it, Noah's getting younger. Like, that's, that's how he, <laughs> he I don't know if he can approve it. Yeah. <laughs> because one of, the, one of the biggest points of contention is his age. And I feel like him and Trump both have that. Like, when you look at the the 
would Americans, from a polling perspective, and we can all argue whether polling is accurate or not, especially at this early in the game. Um, but when you look at polling now, it, it shows that Americans don't seem to be anxious about either. They don't. They don't seem to want mm-hmm. to match up with Trump and Biden again. Yeah, I see that all the news articles these days. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's. I mean, it's not good to have two old candidates, even though like you can specifically see that like Biden shows his age sometimes. I would. I would say. For sure. But. I, I I would say that I would say that as well, and and I remember the last time he was running, there was some some doubt, and you had people saying, well is he too old? Like in, and, and there's been times where he seems like maybe you're getting lost in thought or maybe it's just not all there. But one of the things I had faith in last election, and I'm going to kind of trust it this election is that there are people around you like there. So these people, when you decide to run for president, you have machines around you. So once you become that democratic nominee or that Republican nominee, you have the RNC, the DNC, you have a machine around you, mm-hmm. right? You're around a lot of people who are going to be able to assess your mental uh, situation directly. Like they're having conversations with you. You're with these people all the time. Yeah. The, the rhetoric last time was that Biden doesn't even know he's Biden. Remember that? Remember Biden doesn't even know he exists yeah. right type things. And they, they would say stuff like that. And I would think like the guy was that bad. And there's all these people who have all this money tied up. They wouldn't run them. Like I feel like they would know better and know not to run this guy out there. Um, if that was actually true. He must be showing them something to show that he's worth their time and their money and their effort for for them to even put him out there. And I think that it's going to be the same here now. If they decide to run him again and he doesn't get primaried, I think uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said he might challenge him. Well, he um, already is running. Him and Marion Wilson already running against Joe Biden. The weird thing is Robert F. Kennedy RFK Jr. is pointing at like 19%, which is Biden a little bit off, but it's like, I don't know if we should take him seriously or not, you know? It's interesting. I don't think we can, though, until we get... It's hard to take you seriously, and, and I remember telling some friends this back when Bernie Sanders was running against Hillary. I remember telling them, like, unless you get the machine behind you, you're not going to be serious, and this is an unfortunate state of American politics. You're going to need the machine behind you. So, mm-hmm. in, if the Democrat... Unless the, the Democratic machine or the Democrat machine, I should say, feels that RFK Jr. RFK Jr. is a serious candidate, he's going to get steamrolled. Like, it's going to, you're not going to have enough. You're going to need to convince people that you're capable of beating this person before the machine even starts to get behind you. I remember, I remember back when Obama was running against Hillary, I don't think it was until he won Iowa that people were convinced hmm. that he could actually, like, wait a second, this guy could actually challenge her so then now it turned into a situation of where the machine slowly turned into his direction. But going into that race, he was people didn't even know how to pronounce his name going into the race. So they didn't really care about the guy. And huh. I think it'll be the same thing with RFK Jr. Unless he does something to get the machine behind him versus Joe Biden. I think um, whoever the machine gets behind, whether it's I think it's going to be Biden because he's an incumbent. Yeah, you know, it would be historical precedents like it would be unprecedented in my opinion if somehow biden gets ousted by a democratic primary challenger like i don't see that happening see that's why i and one of my episodes i did not like a couple weeks ago or so i argued that like biden should have just said no i want to let someone else in the democratic party a younger 
take over for me or run for, for president because I think it was smarter if he was just a one-term president and you could show that he's really up to the task of letting someone else go for it, especially when the Democrat Party could use a fresh, like, not to say he isn't a bad face of the Democrat Party, but, like, someone younger could always, could always, like, they're always talking about Gavin Newsom and, like, I think, oh, there's so many people within the Democratic Party that they could, like, what, the new governor of Maryland, Westmore, they're already talking about him, and so I think there's already a lot of people, I'm not saying Kamala Harris isn't, you know, like, she's not the worst option, but, like, you know, you never know. Has done enough, in your opinion there, Noah? Has Kamala done enough to build her own kind of path there? And, and has she stepped out enough? Because, you know, vice presidents tend to stay in the background. She's not doing anything that other vice presidents haven't done. They all tend to kind of be in the background yeah. and the president kind of take the forefront. But has she done enough, you think, to warrant automatically being the nominee if, if Biden wasn't to be? I don't know. It's hard to say because it's like, how do you analyze that without being so critical of her? Even as like, a, I mean, I just consider myself a young Republican. So I'm not like, I don't want to be super critical of her, but I'm not sure how to say like, oh, she's not for, she's for worse or like mean, but I don't know if she's very articulate when she speaks. Maybe that's the only problem, but that's just a small thing, you know? I'm sure she would be up to her task. I'm just not sure if American voters would be, would be confident in her or not, but that's up to American you know, right. voters. I think that she would have to um, be out more in the forefront, yeah, um, paving her own path, because right now she's in the shadow, shadow of Biden's path, and that's typical vice president stuff, because, you know, we were talking about that, and, you know, Pence... Has Pence announced yet? Do we know that no. he's on the other side? He's saying he could be. He could announce. I think he's going to decide on whether he's going to run. Like probably by end of June, I think. Okay, so it's interesting seeing vice presidents run against their presidential predecessors, so to speak. Yeah, like you say, you pretty much got the vice president if he decides to run. Typically, vice presidents will fall back and let their president run again. You know. Mm -hmm. So this situation's interesting if Pence does that, and he kind of played the background, and I'm kind of comparing that to the Kamala Harris situation. You know, sometimes vice presidents, they just kind of play the background, and then when it's their time, I think because they've been a good soldier, then the machine gets behind them, and that's typically the way it works, but it'll be interesting seeing I mean, how that works on Joe Biden's side, you know? I will say, like, I think, per, uh, I just finished up uh, Mike, a book, Mike Pence's book recently, and he talked a lot about, like, how he helped with the coronavirus task force and everything. I do think he was visible to most part, like, in the press, daily briefings and everything, at least until, like, until everything's calmed down for a while. I mean, maybe not everything was calmed down during the pandemic, but, like, the beginning of the pandemic and everything, he was visible. More than Trump. Yeah, so. and, you know, the, the, one of the issues, too, that any, I think anybody would have if Trump is the actual president is he takes up too much oxygen in the room. Like mm -hmm. Trump takes up a lot of oxygen in the room and um, there's only so much left for anybody else. Whether yeah. Press secretary, whether you, if, if it was, I think that if it was up to Trump, he wouldn't even had a press secretary, man. I think he would have stepped out there to that microphone every single time. <laughs> and I think they had to stop him at times because you look at how he made his chops, man. That's how we know him. I know him from the apprentice. Um, I had read a couple of his books back in the day, you know, when I had the art of the deal and stuff of that nature. Um, so I think it's harder for a president like uh, a Pence to make his own way 
when you have the giant Trump that you're kind of standing next to. Yeah. And it doesn't help when Trump's like crapping on you either. That doesn't. No, <laughs> that's what I think the DeSantis Trump situation, like all the Republican, all Republicans, some, a lot of Republicans in Congress, like the House Representatives and Senate have already endorsed Trump. And a lot of, some of the Florida uh, representatives in Congress have already endorsed Trump before they, like not, they've not endorsed DeSantis, even though he hasn't announced it yet. So it's, it's right now it's a game between Trump and DeSantis for endorsements, or at least some people think it is. It's interesting. You know, it's interesting because sometimes you can look at what a rivalry, right? And I'm going to use sports as an example here, and you can say there's a rivalry between this team and this team. But when you look at the record, the other team has beat the other team vastly majority of the time, right? Yeah. And maybe it's a regional rivalry. So in this particular case, DeSantis has a mountain to climb here um, because Trump, for one, lives in your state. And if you cannot, and I would have to go back, Noah, and look through like history and see if this is factual for every race, but it's just a death knoll, death um bells kind of on your campaign if you can't win your state if you can't win the state that you come from Mm -hmm. it's hard to become president you know um and i don't know if DeSantis can win florida i just don't know if he can i think Hmm. that trump will beat him in florida Um, yeah i didn't think about that to be honest it's interesting to consider i don't think he can win florida like and, and and i saw some of these same people come out some people endorsed trump immediately after meeting with DeSantis. Yeah, I know. Endorse Trump immediately. So I'm like, that doesn't spell. Um, that doesn't sound promising to me. You know, maybe that's why DeSantis was had some trepidation about kind of jumping in officially, which I hear is coming this week, from what I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's why he hasn't jumped in officially because if you can't even get the people in your own state behind you, you have no chance across the country because a lot of the things that DeSantis does in Florida, Florida is a very different electorate than the country in general. Mm-hmm. And I think that Trump, if Trump is going to beat you in Florida, he's going to destroy you in these other states. Yeah. That's how, I, like, I didn't think about that, but yeah, it's certainly true. I mean, I don't know, like this early on, I don't know if endorsements are actually like, I think like they actually mean anything to my mind. But I know they can mean for any, a lot to like the people on TV and the people with journalists within politics. So it's hard to say like whether endorsements actually count against you or not this early on and for the for presidential election. If you know what I mean? I think that what it is is it's it's giving somebody else permission. So I think where it was super key. Um, is in other races. Like, you might need other endorsements in other races. Like, the when Biden got the endorsement, I'm, I don't know if it was Clyburn that gave him the endorsement in South Carolina. Oh, yeah, it was. It was. Endorsement. I think it was. And it was key. Like, you could look at his race, you could look at Biden before then, and then after. Uh-huh. Yeah. That endorsement changed his fortunes. Um, I think it depends on who the endorsement comes from, Noah, and when it comes in the race. Mm-hmm. You know, it can help if you have former presidents endorsing you. It can help if you have um, people that are in your party. Because I don't think that any of the people in the Republican parties that people look to as like the leadership have put their arm around DeSantis. They, didn't, they have as a governor of Florida, but not necessarily as a presidential nominee. Yeah. So I think that whereas it wouldn't, an endorsement wouldn't hurt or benefit Trump 
you know, I don't think that Trump moves either. You like him or you don't. I feel like that's very baked in with him and his the people that like him. So either you either like him or you don't. And I think that, but for a person like DeSantis, when you're trying to chip away from that Trump, when you're trying to take people off the Trump boat, it helps for you to start trying to get at least some endorsements, especially from your state. Yeah, I agree. It's very important from like who you get from your own state and preference elections and elections no matter what. So, which political issues should Democrats and Republicans focus on in the 2020 elections, like within states and federally, nationally, like the president's election with the electorate or voters? Do you think? I think that it's we live in a capitalist country, man. So it's going to be economy all the time. It's been economy all my life, no. Like no matter what people have said, it's been the economy. If the economy is good. It, what I think sank the Republican chances, and we can go, let's go back to the 2008 election. What I think sank their chances was the recession happening right then and why it was happening. Like it, it, it was such a, the, you had a recession right in the time that voters are going to the polls. Yeah. So it all happened very close together. So because people, people, what people were doing was they're associating that recession with the party in power. And I do think that it matters why the recessions happen. Um, the pandemic is going to give a lot of recover. A cover. I don't think that Trump lost because of necessarily what the economy was doing during COVID. Because it was during COVID. People understood. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't, it wasn't the same as it would be in the 2008 election. But I do think that economy is going to be the, definitely the backdrop because it always is. They're going to talk about uh, dinner table issues, all the stuff that these presidential candidates say, man, they all say the same stuff every single year. Yeah. And they're going to come out and say, this is the issue that voters really care about. What are they talking about at the dinner table with their families? And they can, can they put food on the table and all that stuff they say? It's pretty much just going to be, are there jobs available or not? I actually think Biden's going to do very well in that regard because he has historical uh, job numbers are historical for him. And I believe that sometimes your numbers are inherited because of what the previous administration did, mm-hmm. negative or positive. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, and then you're kind of just dealing with the results of that and trying to find a way to kind of navigate around that. And um, in this particular case, that's going to be a strong suit for him. I think one of the worst things for Biden is going to be his age. Um, but I think from an economic standpoint, it's just going to be hard to argue when you're floating around 3.5% unemployment and that's just difficult number to if i'm republicans i don't even talk about that number i'm gonna try to talk about something totally different um but i do think the economy is gonna be the backdrop though and i think that's gonna be what people care about the most you always have your cultural issues mm-hmm. whether it's um like abortion or something choice pro-life yeah um guns nra issues second amendment issues civil rights issues those are always there you know what i mean but i think that the tie that binds everybody is we all got to pay bills. Like we all, all of us deal with that. So it's kind of <laughs> like, that's what we're all worried about that when it comes to a, a certain degree, when you talk about the other stuff, maybe some people aren't thinking about having kids. Maybe some people don't own guns. They don't care about guns. Maybe some people don't deal with certain civil rights. Yeah. Issues. It's not a part of their everyday life. So what they are thinking about is what is a part of their everyday life, which tends to be the um, economics. So I, I can see that once again, being the kind of like the backdrop uh, in this election. So, uh, what if, I like to think about, like, what if we're kind of going to, like, a recession right before we ought to go vote in next year's election? Like, 
I would think that would make a big impact on people, how people felt. Because, I mean, if you think about it, Trump has more like of a like a business background. Biden's just more of a political insider. Even though he has a good he has good job numbers, like job employment rates, you know, after the pandemic winded down. So that's you know interesting to think about. It is because, uh, like what we're saying about the other recession, the, the 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 timing matters. No, like the timing matters. If the economy tanks like a month before, like and even when you look at Trump and how Trump got over the line with all of those, with all of the things where there was a, a Access Hollywood tape that leaked with Trump, mm-hmm. Trump still had a month or two to kind of get out of that. Like, you yeah, know, he still had enough time. He had enough runway to to do other things and to kind of make up for that stuff. If that Access Hollywood tape had came out a week before the election, he would have been in so much more, it would have had so much more of an impact than it did. If the recession happens and it's an economy's horrible a week or two out from when the general election's happening, I, it's hard for me to say that's going to be any good for Biden. How can it be? Like, yeah. It's, it would suck. I think it would suck for any candidate. And I think that, that he's not going to be any exception there if that happens to be the timing. Um, I do think that he's benefiting from the post-COVID situation because, you know, you're going to go down and you got to go, you got to come back up at some time. The economy has to reinflate. So he's benefiting from that reinflation of the economy at the time that it happens. His timing, you know, not to take it all away from him, but yeah. there's some timing there, some timing issues that he benefits from, but that would be a negative one if it was just to happen right before and they are forecasting there to be some kind of recession next year. I think the biggest issue, though, is going to be how big is the recession? And does that recession, like the 2008 recession, come with significant job losses? Because that's what the 2008 recession came with. It came with a massive job losses versus um, the recession that they're talking about next year. They don't know if the job losses are going to be there with it or if it's just going to be like inflation. Inflation, housing market or something, know. maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. that definitely could happen. So, what are you uh, on to, like Senator Diane Feinstein, as we all know of her uh, right now? <laughs> what do you think about her, her and her health situation? Should she resign now before her Senate term is over in January? Tw- I think it's January third or fourth, twenty twenty-five. Is when her term is over right now. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous, Noah. Like it's sometimes. And in the House especially, and believe me, I know because I'm, I'm, I'm in Georgia and we have Marjorie Taylor Greene in the House. Um, and, you know, for people who are in Georgia, she, it, she speaks for such a small, minute – she's like in the counties, like right next to me. I'm in the county kind of like right next to her district. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't – she didn't run against anybody or anything like that. She ran unopposed, and she's in the House now. So people are there like, how in the world do certain people make it to – Certain, sit in certain seats, and it would, and would, would Biden saying she's a senator, right? Yeah, she's been a senator since like nineteen. She's been a senator for like eight terms. Yeah, no, man, like no, it, I mean, come on, man, like I know, which is crazy. I don't want to push her out, like you know, but at the same time, it's kind of like, are you really benefiting your constituents at this? stage in your life are you really providing return on investment for your for the people that vote for you because one of the things we got to think about Noah, is people voted for her 
They're, they 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 put her in this situation. Yeah. And they voted for her knowing clear and well that she would have to be there to 2025. And that, to me, is so ridiculous. Um, and I think that's, they have to hope for that. They have to hope that she, at some point, because I don't know how effective she's being. And I would have to look at statistics, maybe, to see if they are, how effective. Like, I don't know if, if she's voting on certain issues, if those are getting passed, and know the vote she's making. I haven't looked at her uh-huh. record enough to know how effective she is in actuality. But I do know that just the age alone, you're looking at like, I mean, in theory, no way she could have hung it up years ago. Like you could have hung it up four or five years ago yeah. and still had a had a nice run. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I mean, you could still assume about Chuck Grass, we have a Republican from Iowa who's eighty, who's the same age as her. But I mean, except Republicans would say, oh, he's he's fine. He doesn't have health problems like she does, you know. Are you for the term limit situation? Because, you know, I think at a certain time period here, I, I think that when you look at the, what the average age of Americans is, um, and, and the further you get away from that age, okay? So okay. I'm just going to throw an arbitrary age out here. Let's say that age is 35. I don't know if it is or not. I'm just going to throw it out there. Once you're literally double that, once you're literally double what the average age is, it's hard for me to know if you really know what's going on with every day Americans, mm-hmm. you know, and with that age group. You know, one of the things about when Trump and Biden were running and they were both, I think like in their mid seventies or so, you know, they were they would have both been the most the oldest president elected, whoever won last election. And it would be the same yeah. election again. Once again, yeah, no, right? president ever elected <laughs> once again if they if they run this election. One of the things I look at these two people and I think that, you know, when I hear Trump say certain things or hear somebody say certain things, these are people whose formative years were in the forties and fifties, mm-hmm. you know? So it's kind of like America's so different. That was almost a hundred years ago. Like America's so different yeah. than those years. It's hard for me to know if you can be that age and still kind of from a mental standpoint, know what life is like for everyday Americans. And I feel like for Trump, it's more removed because he's in like a gilded castle. Like, you know, you're going to, on a golden toilet. Like, you know, it, it's <laughs> one of the things that, what, that was, that what's interesting to me about Trump, and I feel like he was very good at doing this, was Trump has a knack for making people think he's the everyday guy. And this guy is so not. Like, if you live through the 80s and 90s, Trump was the quintessential representation of excess he was a quintessential like when they were talking about the stock market and gordon geckos of the world and wall streets and all that stuff yeah trump was right in the mix of that he was like right in the middle the trump towers and all that stuff he's been billionaire guy and all his life but he gets uh, people who are on a total opposite end of the socioeconomic spectrum to clear him that's their guy yeah that you know what i mean yeah and and it's it's interesting to watch it you know so I think maybe term limit. What are you? What are your thoughts on term limits? You think that's? I mean, people vote where they vote, but is there? Should we age out at like seventy or maybe eighty or something? I mean, I've heard like people like Elon Musk talk about like term limits and how people should be term limited and everything. But I've talked to, I've interviewed one person with from my home state of Ohio, the, uh, Jeremy Jeremy Majowski, 
and he, he was one of the Congress uh, in his district again against the incumbent that's been in Congress for a long time, Marcy Kepler, and mm-hmm. he he told me that even if term limits, if we even if we impose them, the machines behind the politicians are going to line up to keep them in office, kind of thing. I agree. Which I, is I what I didn't think about before when I talked to him. So. Was he? Did he seem like he was favorable of it, or did he just feel like it would be useless? Like even if you were he, to do it, he agreed with me. But he said he kind of took a, back part of the statement, and he said like, at the same time, it's got the machines behind Paul, like in politics, are going to go behind them and make sure they're still in terms. I mean, look at like machine, like Republican machine behind Mitch McConnell kind of thing. Mm-hmm. For sure, and and that's that's a great example, absolutely, actually, because. Any term limit situation, you have to turn towards Mitch instantaneously. Like, yeah. if you were to mention age, Mitch, you're on, you're on the clock, man. Like, instantaneously, if that was to happen. Um, and Mitch is very popular um, in the re- Republican machine, so to speak. He's not a, um, a lightweight, no matter. This guy could be almost 100, man. And he, he is almost 100. But yeah. it's, it's, it's who you gonna, who's going to run up against Mitch? Like, he still seems just as powerful as he ever has been, even though he's had falls, he's had hospitalizations, he's had, um, he showed up at one press conference like a bruise on the side of his face or something on his hand, yeah. very bruised, and, and nothing shakes the guy. And, and I feel like that's because you've been so entrenched in the, you've been the centerpiece of Republican politics in the Senate for so long that you're going to have a lot of allies, you no? Know? Like, and you're going to have detractors as well. But you don't get that powerful not having a lot of allies. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of allies are want you around for whatever reason. They're going to kind of keep you in office. And like the thing is about dying Feinstein situation, even if she resigns right now, uh, the people that are running for her seat, like uh, Adam Schiff, Katie Porter, and Barbara Lee, I th- from what I've heard in the news, Governor, Gav- Governor of California, Gavin Newsom, he promised to uh, like a place got Diane Feinstein if she would resign with someone who was a black person or a black uh, someone who's black which would be Barbara Lee because she's I don't think that's really smart um, something, I don't, I don't something that smart. eliminates something that hand. eliminates that eliminates Adam Schiff and Katie Porter and mm-hmm. other potential candidates which is what people are saying I think he should have telegraphed that Noah like even if you know you're gonna do it I don't think it's smart to telegraph it. I don't think it's smart to say, well, I'm going to give this to a minority, no matter who the minority is. I don't think it's smart to say you're going to give it to a man, no matter who the man mm-hmm. is. I don't think it's smart to say you're going to give it to a woman, no matter who the woman is. Like, you know, you want to at least make it look like you did your due diligence here and then that you considered everybody, even if you know you didn't, like at least make it look like you did. And I don't think it's smart to come out with statements like that. Um, it's interesting, like, wait, let's say that on the Supreme Court, if, you, if a female came off the Supreme Court, I don't think it's crazy to say that you want to maybe put another female on the Supreme Court. That's not too, too crazy no. to me. I don't even still, then I don't think it's all the way smart to say, but I can see why you would say it. Um, in this particular case, uh, with Gavin Newsom, I don't know if it's smart to say that, hey, I'm not really going to do as much due diligence. I've already kind of got my mind made up. Who's going to go into this seat? And the good news about that is no matter who goes into that seat, the vote, they're, they're going to have to run again in like a year. 
Like they're, oh, they're, yeah. they're there for very long, you know. So it's so no matter who he puts there, it would still be put up to the voters very soon. And the thing is to think about this, uh say no, it's someone like uh who else in the Senate or Congress? No, Biden did the same thing with Kamala Harris and with uh, Kentonji Brown Jackson. He promised, like, in mm-hmm. 2020 president election, he said, I, if I get to nominate someone to the Supreme Court, they're going to be black. Or they're going to be, like, one of those, you know. Yeah, I think like a woman of color. And, and um, I don't, the same situation. Even if you felt that that was the direction you wanted to move into, I wouldn't say it. I would just, like, Interview everybody and then just see what happens and, and see yeah, what, that's see what I'll shakes do out. Because a lot of times what ends up happening is no matter what you say, no matter what group you pick, whether you can say I'm going to do an Asian woman, I'm going to do a, a Hispanic male, a white woman, white male, um, no matter what group you say, it's going to fit another group. You know, uh, <laughs> if, if you say one group, you've left out all the other groups. And I don't see how that's beneficial to you. No. you know? Um it's going to be looked at as pandering, no matter who you do it to. Um, if you pick a teacher, they'll say, oh, you're trying to get the teacher's union on. If you pick, like, no matter who you say you, that you're picking ahead of time, it's going to look like you're pandering to that group of people, you know? So I don't know if it's smart to say who you're going to pick or try to make these promises because your detractors are just going to say, hey, you're just pandering, man. You're just trying to get more votes from this particular group of people, maybe you're trying to get union votes by, by putting this person in, maybe, you know, there are always going to be people who are detractors when you're um, showing your hand like that so early. So I don't, I wouldn't do it personally. Do you think, well, into like, personal, like a, how like a president chooses his money making thing, do you think it'd be smart for Trump to like uh, nominate, like if he would, if he would get the nomination, which is probably very high, highly, We'll see about that. Uh, chance, for sure. I know. Uh, do you think it would be smart of him to pick a woman for us to run me in twenty twenty four? I don't see why not. I don't. I, I feel like because me, I'm so equal opportunity guy that I think that everybody is equally. You know, you consider everybody that you feel is qualified for the position, and you try to see if you can add to your ticket is what I think that you're trying to do. Um, it, I when. Obama picked Biden back in the day. I felt that was a smart pick because you're a new guy. You're a new guy and people, you're, you're being so new to Washington was making people nervous. So what do you do? You pick a guy who's been living there for yeah. decades you know, to, to kind of take the nervousness off. With Trump, the public establishment did not like Trump. They didn't like him. So what, who does he pick as a running mate? Pence, who the Republican establishment loves. You pick a guy who kinda, who's kind of kind of counter what you feel like your weakness is. So I feel like that's going to be the situation with Trump. Maybe he picks somebody who feels like counters his weakness. But it's just so funny to watch a guy run for president and his vice president is running in the same election and you didn't pick the guy to be your vice president again. Like, it's I so mean, I don't know if he's going to announce it depends. I mean, I think it was smart of him to stay away from this election, but we'll see. In general, like you don't think he should just run in general. I don't think he should run this time. Maybe a maybe a different time. Like what Mike Pompeo said, may, it's just not the right time for me to run. Okay, okay. So then we're just looking forward to the the DeSantis Trump matchup. That's what I'm on, man. I want to see. <laughs> I know. I want to see that happen so bad, man. That's gonna be something. <laughs> so like for 
for like Ronimates, I've heard like Representative uh, Byron Donners as a, as a one of the people that he that Trump is supposedly considering for Ronimate. Uh, I guess we'll see. You know, uh, with Trump, Noah, I'm I'm only concerned about Trump, and I feel like yeah. Trump is only concerned about Trump. I don't even know if he's like caring who his running mate is. I think he feels so he has such strong faith in his abilities. I think he feels like he can nominate me or you and get across the line. Like he feels like he's can get across the line no matter what. So maybe you just nominate somebody who you feel bring in some voters that you don't already have. So what if he were to choose someone like Carrie Lake, who's very controversial and who still like him, like thinks that he that she won election in Arizona. Would that be a smart choice? I mean, I don't think it'd be a smart choice. Mistake. Absolute mistake. mistake. Yeah. Don't you stay away from the fringes. Don't because I've heard Marjorie Taylor Greene's name float out there. Stay away from the fringes if you're Trump. Like that's not going to help you get more people. It's just going to bring people who already like you into your Trump. They're going to like you more, but they're already voting for you. Yeah. You're not going to get any more Trump voters by nominating like a Kerry Lake. You know what I mean? Because you they, they're they're in the same group. They're the same group of people. So she's nominating another election denier who's lying, who's denying another election in a complete different election in a complete different state. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that helps him. I think if he's got even semi-competent advisors around him, they'll tell him not to do that. <laughs> and I mean, I'm hoping she doesn't run for U.S. Senate against like Christian Cinema or, or as a Republican. There's all your share of an Arizona who's, who's entered the race for it. Senate seat, Christian Cinema seat, Senate seat, mm-hmm. but I'm just hoping she doesn't care, like, doesn't go in it, because she be, like, she's just going to lose again, I feel like. I, I feel know. like she'll lose again also. Yeah. Uh, if they, some of these people, they seem to be the last to know um, how, they might get, be popular in certain rooms, but they don't know how unpopular they are everywhere else, you know, so I don't think she should run either. I, I think the cinema situation is interesting, too. Like, I don't think Carrie Lake should run. Carrie Lake should go get a job at Fox or something, man. Go get like a television <laughs> job. She she she'd kill there, man. Like people would watch her. Yeah, I've been saying I don't know if I watch her necessarily, but <laughs> 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 so so thank you for coming on to American Political Paradise podcast. Got it, my friend. Love to be on here, man. It's 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 great to come on and talk politics with somebody who knows what they're talking about. So I definitely appreciate you having me. Thank you.